You're listening to Faith and Fostering, the podcast where people of faith chat about foster care in the Australian context to encourage, edify and educate others along the journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Faith and Fostering. I'm Terry and today we have the lovely Amelia with us. Welcome Amelia. Hello. So Amelia and I have a mutual contact um, and when I was telling this friend about the podcast and asking if she knew anybody that would like to share their story who had been on the journey, she recommended Amelia. And um, so yeah, Amelia and I have connected over the phone and I've learned a little bit about her story, her and her husband's journey into foster care and then going on the permanency story. And um, yeah, I'm just so thankful, Amelia, that you would come and share your story with us today. Oh, I'm very, very happy to. I love just bringing awareness to the foster care world and helping other foster parents. It's a goal and, yeah, I love it. Fantastic. So how about we start with, you know, you and your husband meeting and then how foster care kind of came onto the scene for you? Yeah, so... You probably have already worked out that I'm not Australian. <laughs> so um, I was born in California, uh, born and raised in Southern California. And from a very young age, I had a heart for adoption. I had a heart for um, kids that needed a home. And so, I mean, you could ask my parents from very, very young age, I would talk about um, talk about that. And so I think God had already kind of planted that seed in my heart and when Dan and I met that was probably one of the first conversations we had um because we were you know I was 22 um he was um what was he 24 um yeah. you know when we met and so we were you know talk we were, we were very much you know on the marriage pathway you know we weren't just dating to date and so um and we both really felt led to each other and to um to be together so one of, you know, first conversations was about kids, you know, a family, wow. and, you know, because I think it's a pretty important thing um, yeah. um, to find out about someone if they want to have a family or not. And so both of us were very, yeah, wanting to have a family. But um, I also had said, you know, I do have a heart for adoption. I don't know how that would fit into our story, but I would love to explore that. What's sort of your thoughts around that? And he was just so open to it. And he's like, you know what, like, however God wants to bring um, us into a family, um, I, I'm up for it. So, you know, obviously, you know, naturally we were thinking biologically having um, children and then um, adopting. God had other other plans for us, but I think just his mm-hmm. openness and like it was on his heart as well, the heart of adoption. So it just felt um, that we were on the same page right from the beginning, um, which I'm so thankful for because I know that's not always the case. Um so when we, you know, got married and, um, you know, a lot of our pastors and friends had said, you know, just have time for each other. You never have this time again. Um, so we did. We, we had five years of traveling and just just really um, building our foundation of our marriage. And then when it was time to start to have a family, um, you know, it wasn't as easy as, as I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I honestly, it never crossed my mind that we would have issues. Um at all I just thought just it just happens right <laughs> it just happens when you're ready yeah. to go and um and it wasn't and so because the, those seeds of adoption um 
and and just you know just to have you know not necessarily always that route of adoption but just having um kids that you know that need families to be a family for them so even even when you know we weren't trying to have um children like we were you know youth leaders and so we would always have you know kids in our home and love on them and and just you know care for them and nurture them and I was a chaplain for 10 years so it was very much about you know making Mm -hmm. making a home for them you know when I meet with them and things like that so it was just something that was really natural for both of us so um yeah so we sort of you know it it was a bit of a shock and a surprise to us when infertility kind of came um in our path but then again it was sort of like well that's okay because we we have this on our heart as well so maybe God's trying to build our family in like a different way yeah and I mean obviously with um sort of that infertility journey like that brings a whole lot of emotions and challenges and it can be this you know pretty horrible roller coaster that you want to get off and then when you step into foster care it is not a smooth sailing space either how did you navigate I guess that challenge from going from one hard area into really what is another hard area (laughs) oh I don't know I think it's one of those (laughs) things (laughs) that if someone had written on paper everything um the infertility journey you know we went through IVF and um like you said yeah it's a roller coaster in and of its own um I think if it all been written out and now obviously it, it wasn't successful for us it's successful for lots of couples but for us it just wasn't um you know would we have done the journey probably not but it was it was part of um our path and you know we learned a lot about each other about ourselves yeah. um, trusting and depending on God in a deeper way so um I never have any regrets but I think Um, It was definitely one of those things with going down that route was like, we don't want to get five down, five years down the road and be like, Oh, what if we had, you know, we're like, you know, we want to explore all the options that we possibly can. Um, But also in the back of our minds, this, you know, this adoption um, thought was still there. So, so when we had um, finished up the infertility kind of journey um, and we could have gone farther down that road but it was just going to be a lot more tests and I I was already quite worn out uh, mentally and physically um from that so you know we both had decided no we're we're done with this part of our journey with this um and their recommendation is that you know you take six months off to just heal and get counseling and just you know there's a lot of like toxins and whatever else in your body so I wanted to really um help my body to to get back on track um and so we took yeah six months off of any sort of family planning um just to really kind of get back um into a healthy headspace um and they recommend that too with any um foster care agencies they do ask you know have you have you been doing IVF for any uh, fertility treatments and to to have at least six months off before you go onto the other roller coaster (laughs) Yes, I think it's which really makes, good advice. <laughs> yeah, which makes total sense because mm-hmm. um, I mean I love roller coasters. I'm I'm a bit of a thrill seeker when it comes to that, but I think it is good to have a break between absolutely um, between roller coasters. So um, so yeah, so then we um, we're just praying about the next step, and that was when the legislation was changing um, to where permanency was really becoming an option for kids. So before that, it was very much um, long-term foster care 
for kids. It wasn't that the adoption and guardianship wasn't really available. But um, during that time, um, when we were sort of exploring it, that was when, you know, the government was saying, you know, these kids need a forever family. Um, And so we were like, okay, um, adoption in Australia is very difficult to kind of adopt from birth. It doesn't really happen. Um, I mean, there's overseas adoptions. We had friends that had adopted from overseas, but, you know, financially we, we just weren't in a position to, to do that. Um, and, and I think we had lived through their journey of that and it was like, that's another kind of roller coaster that I'm not willing to go on. Um, (laughs) and they did, which was great, but we, we just didn't, we felt like in our own backyard that we could do, um, we could do something. So. I had sort of um, looked through a lot of different agencies and had a lot of phone conversations and we just kept coming back to to the agency we ended up signing up with. Um, and there's just a real piece about it. And I loved um, their vision and their values. Um, and so, yeah, we started going on the journey and, and started doing all the interviews. That's quite intrusive and invasive, but yeah. it's, it's good. I'm glad that there is a good process Um that foster parents have to go through because it is such a, it is such a big thing. These are the most vulnerable children in our community. Um, we need to make sure that we're doing our best to care for them and, and be equipped. Um, you know, so yeah, so we went, I think it was, I think they worked out we could do quite a few Saturdays in a row. So I think we did like four or five Saturdays um, interviews. We were interviewed together. We were interviewed um, separately. We were, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, um, <laughs> But we, but we felt God's peace. We felt like God was calling us and um, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't difficult. It was something that we, we knew that it was, um, yeah, in his way for us. So Yeah. So once you had all the approvals, how long did it take for them to call you up? Yeah, so we, um, so that was like October, I think it was like September, October of two thousand and. Eight, no, okay. not eight. Two thousand and eight. What am I saying? Um, Two thousand and seventeen. Sorry, I'm getting yeah. my years messed up. Two thousand seventeen, and we actually planned a trip um, to visit my family that Christmas, and so um, we hadn't finished everything before we left. But they did say we're up to a spot where prepared to to have. Um, and we had done zero to two. That was the age that we um, had sort of put ourselves in the pool for. So um, yeah. they said, be prepared that when you come back, that you might have a baby um, coming to your home. And we're like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, so exciting. <laughs> and so we got the room ready and, you know, got it all, all got the, um, the cot and, you know, got it all ready for the potential baby that we would have um, in our home. And so we were over in America for, I think, I think it ended up being like seven or eight weeks. And um, it was really exciting to tell our family to say, you know, we're going on this journey and um, bright eyed and <laughs> not really yes. sure what we were going to get into. <laughs> but but it's exciting because they had known that we, you know, had wanted to have a family for a long time. And um, at that point, I think it was, yeah, seven or eight years of, of trying. And so oh, finally wow. getting some, you know, at the end of the tunnel um yeah. and saying you know when we get home you know we could have a baby in our home and and so it was very exciting and lots of support so we'd come home and literally it was probably a week after we were home we got a call about a, a baby that was in the NICU um and um so that was looking 
hopeful, but then um, they did the uh, blood test and the baby was Aboriginal. So they ended up um, placing the baby with the Aboriginal family, which is, which is great. And, mm-hmm. and to be honest, we were kind of a little bit relieved because we we're still getting over jet lag. <laughs> we were yeah, sort of like, like a little bit more time. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, we're ready, but, you know, I don't think we were. I mean, are you ever ready? Probably never ready. But yeah, no, that yeah. ended up working out um, the best for them. And so, so then, yeah, we we're just sort of waiting. And, and we've been pretty clear with the agency that we, you know, wanted to be a long term family, um, that we wanted to be a, you know, a permanency place, you know, placement. Um, so we were willing to wait as long as that was to be, um, for that to happen. So we, um, yeah, just kept waiting. And then we got a call about like three siblings. Um, and they were, yeah, all, all kind of like in toddlerhood. Um, they all kind of had pretty significant needs. Um, and you know, we were exploring that, um, but what ended up happening with them was that they had been on the system for a while, but the system hadn't updated. So they actually were already placed in a family. So, but we were, I mean, we were willing to, to do that, but, um, but yeah, they had already been placed in a family. So, so we had a couple of, you know, almost, and, and as you know, as a foster parent, you get the call, you know, and you're trying to process, you know, and you're excited and there's all these emotions, like you're excited, but you're nervous. And then you're like, what does this all mean? And when's, what's going to happen? And, you know, it's a very, um, it's a very um, interesting <laughs> process yes. to go through, and you're trying to think about all the questions or all the things that you should ask, and um, and yeah, so that so that didn't um, work out or, or follow through, and then um, and yeah, so then we got to about June, um, oh, end of May, um, and we got a call about our little S, who is um, now five and a half. And, wow. um, yeah, we were, we were just thrilled and excited and, um, yeah. So we had, we had a couple of weeks, weeks notice, which is quite unusual. Usually you find out, um, the day before, <laughs> a couple of days before, but we, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we found out about her a couple of weeks. And so we got to prepare and, um, yeah, we, we, you know, she drove into um, the driveway with the caseworker. And our eyes met and it was just, um, it was just an incredible supernatural experience of just complete love, unconditional love for her. You know, I just, that was one of the things that I was a little bit, um, I guess apprehensive about was just like, how, how am I going to love a child, you know, that I, that I didn't birth or that I didn't carry, you know, in my body. Um, and I really prayed about that and really asked God to, um, to give me that you know, that mother's love and that mother's heart that is unconditional. And, um, and it, it instantly, as soon as we saw her, we just melted and, and we would just do anything for her. So it was, oh, it was really beautiful, amazing. really beautiful. And so she was seven months old at that time. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of surreal. <laughs> it was like for so long waiting, waiting. And then here she is. And then finally, oh, yes. yes. Did you have a lot of people around you that you were able to share that journey with, like the highs and lows of calls beforehand and things not quite working out and then that day when she actually arrived? Yeah, I mean, we were pretty, um, we were careful about who we talked to about yeah. it just because it is such a vulnerable thing. And it is. if you don't understand the system um, or that process, you know, you can get different views and often it can be quite negative and so we we really were careful about who we had around us to talk about that with because 
we just wanted to keep it positive. Like we were heartbroken and we grieved every time it didn't work out. Um, it was hard, but like having it, yes, the right people around you, you know, that are spirit filled, that are faith filled. Um, like our pastors were amazing in that time and just, yeah, could just cry on the phone with them or be joyful or, you know, like they mm-hmm. just, they really did. They probably would on most of the turns um, with us through all that time. And, um, but yeah, I think it's important to definitely have the support and people around you, but be really wise about who you have around you because I think is, that's such great wisdom. Yeah. It's so vulnerable. Um, and it, and it, a lot of it is not, it doesn't make sense or it's not like, yeah, especially, I mean, you have people that love you and want, and want what's best for you and, you know, are like, Oh, you've, it's finally happening. And then it doesn't. And you know, like they're, they're, they're well-meaning, but I think just having the people around you that are going to bring faith and um, like build faith into you is so important. Fantastic. That is really good advice. And I think you're absolutely um, spot on with just knowing that you are in a season of high vulnerability um, mm. at that stage and knowing, um, yeah, who to bring in on the journey. Cause we do need people in those places but it is it is a good idea to um yeah be very wise about that so that's really great and so you've got this new baby she's seven months old and how did she settle into your family how did you make all those adjustments she just it was like she's always been with us it was so just didn't make sense really like logically it just didn't make sense how well she just kind of came into our family and um like she just slept really well and was just really settled and yeah it was it was quite miraculous I think um yeah so we were just in the love bubble you know that we didn't really some advice that we had gotten from other foster parents was just to really keep it um just the like the three of us Mm-hmm. Um, well, four of us because we have a dog. Yeah, so he's very much a part. He's the first fur <laughs> baby. Um, but just keep it like just in our home, not go out. Um, just really, um, that attachment so important, um, especially in those first couple weeks. And if there's too many people around and interacting and wanting to hold her, and it can it can get quite confusing. Like they need to know your smell and your your voice and touch and and just meeting. You know, we just were meeting all of her needs. Um, so that she knew like where, where your caregivers were, your, you know, your parents. Um, so that was really special. Um, and it was in winter time, so not that you want to go out anyway, it's cold. And so we just really just, um, yeah, just would just look at her sleeping and just look at each other and go, Oh my goodness, we have this beautiful, precious little girl that we get to love and care for. And yeah, that we prayed for, for so long, um, yeah, so it was, it was very special. And so I think we ended up doing about three weeks that it was just the the, the three of us, including oh, adult wow. Eddie. Um, yeah, which was really good. I, w- I would really recommend that. Um, not, not everyone can do that, obviously, work and things like that. But it was the timing of it. My husband's a teacher. And so he was he had two weeks off um, oh, for so holidays. So it was like perfect timing yeah. um, for us to just really just build that attachment and connection with each other so and that didn't take long before things started to get challenging is that right (laughs) (laughs) yes the honeymoon um quickly um and not anything to do um with her it was um 
you know, we had really expressed that we were about permanency and long term. And, um, but even when, you know, she had been, um, you know, brought home that day, uh, the DCJ workers were like, yep, there's no restoration possibility. She's going to be um, permanency and long term and like, okay. And then literally, I think it was like two weeks later. So we've had this, you know, love bubble with each other and attachment and get a call saying, um, DCJ actually going to court and changing it to restoration. Oh. With mom. And yeah, it was, you know, it was a shock, um, big shock. And I mean, obviously we had never gone down a restoration road and we didn't know anybody else that had gone down that road. So we were very kind of confused about, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, she just goes back now or like in three months time, six months time, what does that look like? And navigating that was, it was very, very interesting. And, um, yeah, it was definitely a roller coaster. So what are some of the things, Amelia, that helped you get through that time? Because suddenly you've gone from, oh, we have this beautiful baby in our home and you're thinking all these long-term things Mm. and you have all these ideas and then it's, oh, like complete 180, going in a different direction, Um, you know, contact, uh, it just Mm. changes the whole direction of where you were going. What do you think helped you through um, each day, I guess, Mm. of having to reshift all of where you thought you were going with the journey? Yeah. Oh, it was very difficult, very difficult because it was um, it was sort of kind of related it a little bit to Isaac, you know, with Abraham and Isaac and Abraham and Sarah had prayed for this baby, you know, for so long and finally and then you now they feel like they've got to sacrifice him. It's like, what? Like you've told us we're having this beautiful baby. We have the baby. We have this baby and then we've got to then put him on the altar, mm. um, you know, so not in the literal sense, but like. God was like, are you open-handed? You know, like, are you willing to to sacrifice something that's even so <clears throat> the most important thing to you um, to trust me, to trust me with her? Um, it was it was hard. It was definitely not easy. Lots of emotions. Um, it was very, you know, like even just attachment-wise, you know, we wanted to fully attach to her and be, fully present for her but there were times where it was like well, I don't you know you want to protect your heart um <laughs> because it, you, he's gonna rip you get ripped out out from absolutely you. um but that's that attachment is you know the number one thing that this, these kids need especially in their first you know couple of years of life so it was very much a dying to myself um mm. even I had to deal with a lot of like self-righteous um, attitudes towards birth yeah. parents. And, um, I was, yeah, I, God had to, God actually did so much in me in that time of evaluating, you know, my responses to things and whether it be, you know, food that would come home in the bag or, you know, didn't change her the way that I would change her or like all these like kind of actually really silly things that I look back on it now that, you know, her, her mom was trying her best, doing the best with what she had. Um, but because I was so self-protective and I think very judgmental, really, um, God had to kind of peel back the layers, um, uh, of my, my own, um, righteous, like self-righteousness. And so that was painful. Yeah. Wow. That is a hard journey. It was, it was, um, but worth it. And I'm glad that he did because I look at things so differently 
now um like I really feel like um it's not just fostering the child but you do foster the family and you've got yeah. to foster those relationships and as hard as it is and as much as you think you deserve something more than them or whatever it's not even about that like God has a plan for for each of us in the situation and he has a plan of restoration um however that looks but like to to put um little s is number one and then to to make sure that she her best interest is number one and that is to include the family as much as she possibly can um because that's important part of her life so um it was a real journey because i i had my perspective was very much you know us and them you know we're, we're you know better parents or we do this and i was yeah i had to very much um die to myself and my my own um selfishness really oh, um yeah goodness. yeah well thank you for sharing amelia that is it is um it's a humbling journey, isn't it? And, and God does it to us in his mercy. At the time, it does not feel like mercy, but absolutely, like you say, when you look back, you're like, actually, Father, I see, yeah, I see that you're doing that refining work in all of us. We all need it and we all go on those journeys in different ways when we obey him. We hope you enjoyed part one of this Faith in Fostering podcast. You can tune in for part two next week. And in the meantime, let's remember... Every child deserves a family.